Let's all turn to Psalm 148. There are two words in the Bible that are almost synonymous. We use them interchangeably all the time. You probably know exactly what they are. The one word is thanksgiving, and the other is praise. We use them together when we say, let's give the Lord thanksgiving and praise. And if you want to try to figure out what the difference is between those two words, it's kind of hard to do because both of them are an expression of gratitude. But I see a lot of emotion in the praise part. I can give thanks to the Lord and express my gratitude to Him, but boy, when I praise the Lord, I'm giving Him thanks with my emotions. I'm giving Him thanks with my heart and my soul. And so all of the psalms that we have that talk about praising the Lord are really songs of thanksgiving because it takes a thankful heart to praise the Lord. Psalm 148 begins with, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Sit on that a while when you get an opportunity. Ask yourself, what is he thinking when he says, Praise the Lord from the heavens. This is poetry. It's not a scientific lesson. He hasn't put this in science language. He's put it into poetry. And so you're going to see the next phrase, praise him in the heights. Praise him from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his what? Angels. Praise him all his hosts. You know, and so all of those words go together. Uh, they all mean pretty much the same thing, angels and heavenly hosts. The Bible says that the angel came to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, and then there was a host, a host of angels praising God and singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Now, I want you to look at this and uh, follow me all the way down to at least verse 5 at the moment. Because I want you to notice there's some organization to this psalm. The organization begins with God is, God is through the psalmist teaching us to praise him and join the universe in doing it. Isn't that pretty much what he's saying here? Why don't you just, you and I should join the universe in praising God. That's one reason why I chose this video. That's one reason why the praise team sang the songs that they did today. All creation, all creation needs to lift up its voice and praise the Lord. And so the Bible continues, and in verse 3 it says, Praise Him, what? Sun and moon. Praise Him, all you, what? Stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens, the sky, the firmament. Everything that we see when we look up should praise the Lord. Now, you know poetry, and you know that what we do in poetry oftentimes is we, is we pick an inanimate object and we personify it. We turn that inanimate object into uh, a person in our thinking. So that's why we say, sun, praise the Lord. Moon, praise the Lord. Stars, praise the Lord. But that's not just a poetic thing. 
Have you ever asked yourself the question? Have you really ever asked yourself the question, how do, I have a little note here I wrote in my Bible, how do these elements of the universe praise the Lord? How does the sun praise the Lord? How does the moon praise the Lord? How do the stars praise the Lord? We don't go out at night and put our ear up into the heavens and say, okay, there I hear it. I hear him singing hallelujah chorus. No. No. How do they praise the Lord? They praise the Lord by doing exactly what God created them to do. The sun praises the Lord by shining. The stars praise the Lord by being lesser lights at night. The moon as well. And it's important for you to understand that because if we're going to join in praise, then we need to understand that our praise is acceptable to him, our thanksgiving is acceptable to him, as long as we are doing what he has created us to do. Now, this may seem like a little bit of a digression for you, but whenever I think of a national holiday like Thanksgiving and Christmas, I immediately ask myself the question, what is the condition of society? Did you ever do that? A national holiday like Thanksgiving and Christmas? And I ask myself the question, uh, are we really a thankful nation? How thankful of a nation are we? How much gratitude do we have to God? How thankful are we to him for all that he has done? See, because I, I almost introduced this today by asking you this question. Um, what does a healthy society look like? I, I think about that a lot. Now, when I see our society becoming what it is, when I see all of the problems that we're having in our society, and when I say what a healthy society, what should it look like, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about whether or not uh, everything is prim and proper from a physical perspective. I'm not talking about whether everything is just right and in its place from an economic or a or a sociological perspective. I'm talking about, you and I know that we're talking about a healthy society from a spiritual perspective. We live in an angry society. We live in an anxious society. We live in a depressed society. Those are all emotions that God has created for us. And they're signals to us that something needs to be done. Something needs to happen. But we are way too angry in this country. We are way too anxious in this country and way too depressed in this country. So what does it take to have a healthy society? Well, let me just say right off the bat that a healthy society is always, you can add a lot of other things to this, but a healthy society is always a thankful society. Always. Always. I don't know what it is, but in some of the major passages of Scripture in the Bible, the word thankfulness or the word gratitude kind of gets lost so easily. Uh, let me give you a quick, for instance, in the book of Philippians, the Bible tells us about um, our physical health and our spiritual and emotional health, and it gives us some really good, good advice as to what to do. 
And in Philippians chapter 4, the Bible tells us that we are to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, we are to what? We are to let our requests be made known to God. But I didn't read the whole thing, did I? Why is it that it's so easy to forget one of the most important elements? He says here the formula for you when you're anxious and you're worried is be anxious for nothing. Let me take that anxiety away. Let me help you deal with that anxiety. But in everything by prayer and supplication, what does it say next? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what will the result be? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Is that true? Absolutely is true. Absolutely it is true. And I've seen it work hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Uh, And it's very important uh, it's very important for us to include thanksgiving. Let me give you another example how thanksgiving. We think of, we think of the fact that this world isn't getting any better, and, and we have some passages of Scripture that don't seem to be very encouraging. I'm not, a, I'm not a pessimist. You know that. I'm pretty optimistic. One of these days when the Lord Jesus comes back to this earth, he's going to make everything wrong right. He's going to change everything that's bad into good. He's going to, that'll be resurrection day, and, and this world that was once prim, pristine will be turned back into its pristine condition, and, and I, I look forward to that. So when I read the Apostle Paul in statements like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I get down a little bit. I understand that. We all do, because we want our future to look brighter than the past, Right? So in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. You probably know this list by heart. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Shall I continue? But I dismissed a word, didn't I? I missed a word. It's not only going to be a society with these characteristics, but the end of verse 2, it's going to be an unthankful society as well. An unhealthy society is an unthankful society. And it's critical that we understand that. I have one last reference to share with you how obscure thanksgiving is in our thinking about biblical truth. And yet this goes all the way back to creation in Romans chapter 1. I refer to it constantly um, because Romans is the cosmopolitan letter that Paul wrote that really exemplifies what the world was like in Paul's day. And it was pretty bad. It was, it, was, it was very, very advanced. The Roman society had a lot of amenities that uh, we lost during the Middle Ages and had had to rediscover all along, along the way into the, into the modern world. But the fact of the matter is that the Apostle Paul, when he talks about the society of the Roman government, notice what he says in verse 18. 
And once again, once this settles back into your heart, and you say, oh, I know this passage very, very well, keep in mind what the Apostle Paul is saying. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, who do what? Suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We have a society that is suppressing the truth like no other society I've ever seen. And we know who's behind that. We know that Satan is behind all of that. Because what may be known of God is manifested in them. God has made it crystal clear that he is out there. He has made it crystal clear that he exists. He has made it crystal clear through the universe that he created. And if you've ever wondered how vast this universe is, and you've never had an opportunity to look at the Hubble space pictures of the universe that we have collected all of these years, you need to, you need to do that. You need to do that. God is bigger than anything Hubble has been able to even see in outer space. But notice that verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Now, God is the one who says this, not me. And so if I'm guilty of saying to him, well, I don't believe your visible attributes are clearly seen, and I don't understand things by the things that you have created, then I'm guilty of doing what he says here in suppressing the truth. Because it's there, I just refuse to accept it. And notice what he says. Notice what he says. The things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Every single person on Judgment Day is, is going to be without excuse. Every single person on Judgment Day without excuse. Um, because although they knew God, number one, they knew God, they did not, number one, glorify him as God, and then everybody together, nor were thankful. And then the Apostle Paul goes in to discuss the society of the Roman Empire, and he has a list of things that describe it that some of these lists of sins and some of these lists of uh, degrading things, I, I even hate to read them anymore. I really do. I really do. A healthy society is a thankful society. But you know, I, let's be honest, sometimes it's hard to be thankful. It's especially hard to be thankful during periods of time when life is uncertain or you have difficult situations. Take your hymn book just for a second here and turn to the section in the hymn book that gives to us our Thanksgiving hymns at the end. The first Thanksgiving hymn that we have in this book, and it doesn't have a whole lot, but the first Thanksgiving hymn that we have is 543. 543. You recognize it. Come ye thankful people, come. Come ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in. Oh, there it is. The winter's coming. You're going to mess it all up. Ere the winter's storms begin. Even a song that was written during happy times during harvest festival includes the fact that we got to take the bad with the good. 
right? The wheat has tares in it, and they're together sown, and unto joy or sorrow grown. We have to take the bad with the good. And those who wrote great Thanksgiving songs understood that very, very well, even when it is very hard to give the Lord thanks. If your financial situation changes, your social circumstances change, uh, things change in your life, uh, health concerns and all of that, it's easy for you to look back and say, oh, there were brighter days in the past. I just don't feel any more like I can thank the Lord. That's when we need to thank him the most. That's when we need to thank him the most. The next song, 544, is now thank we all our God. You and I need to understand that this was forged, this, this song was written by Martin Rinkhart during the 30-year war in Europe when he was pastor in the city of Ellenburg. He was, he was in refuge there, and the city had been taken over several times. And in 1637, he conducts funerals for over 5,000 residents, including his wife. I don't know, do you remember this? This is the guy who wrote, Now thank we all our God. And while the war is still raging, while the war is still raging, <clears throat> he writes this song. Everybody together, we can read it. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and steel is ours today. That must have been hard to say. Plagues. And war had taken the lives of 5,000 residents that year in 1637 alone. Second stanza, everybody together. Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. And then he goes into the last stanza, all praise and thanks to God. The Father now be given, the Son and him who reigns with him in highest heaven, the one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore, for thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore. But do you think that's the end of it? Even count your blessings has ended up in our Thanksgiving song list in 545. And what does it begin with in verse 1? Everybody? What does it begin with? When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. How about verse 2? Are you ever burdened with a load of care? 3. When you look at others with their lands and gold? 4. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to count our blessings. We gather together. We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. You're all familiar with that one, right? That's our last Thanksgiving, special Thanksgiving song in the book. And I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but it was written during the time of Spanish uh, oppression. City after city had been captured and sacked, and, um, and uh, it was just ongoing war in the Netherlands. And so uh, what does it say? 
We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing. He chastens and hastens his will to make known the wicked oppressing. Wartime. Now cease from distressing. Sing praises to his name. He forgets not his own. I know it's hard to give thanks to the Lord when times are tough. When you can only put half the food on the table you could put the year before. When you lost a job. Or you have a relationship breakdown. Or you have a community concern. I understand all of that. But God has never told us to stop. And one thing I like about Psalm 148 and all these other psalms toward the end of the book of Psalms. The one thing I like about all of these psalms is they give to us a dramatic lesson on how to be thankful. So when he pulls in the universe in Psalm 148, and he says to us that, listen, the heavens are praising him, the heights are praising him, the angels are praising him, the hosts of heaven are praised, sun, moon, stars, you heaven of heavens and the sky and the firmament, let them praise the name of the Lord. He gives to us a good, good reason to praise. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this to you because, again, you've heard me say this probably two times in a row since I discovered this. But I've always been fascinated why during the Revolutionary War, we were able in the midst of the Revolutionary War to declare a National Day of Thanksgiving. George Washington is on his way to Valley Forge. The British have taken over the city of Philadelphia. He has to spend the winter out there uh, between Philadelphia and York where our government had to flee to wait it all out till spring. And the day before his army entered Valley Forge, a national day of thanksgiving had been declared by the Congress. And the Troops didn't have much to eat at all. They could have forged, no doubt, for their own food. But as far as rations were concerned, they were given, from what I understand, a little bit of rice and some vinegar. But they stopped. The day before, they entered Valley Forge, and they observed Thanksgiving. And no doubt, a Thanksgiving that always includes praise to the Lord, and thanks for who he is and what he does. And I share this with you because I was always interested in little details about that. So I got on my computer a couple of years ago, and I Googled the first Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving at Valley Forge. And I wanted to know just exactly what Google would come up with. And when Google came up with Thanksgiving at Valley Forge, even though I said the first Thanksgiving, it came up with almost nearly a hundred buffets and restaurants. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. When I was uh, doing my internship out in Downingtown, Downingtown was very close to Valley Forge, and we would, we would go on Sunday afternoon after church, uh, several of us, would go out to eat at one of those great restaurants or buffets out there in eastern Pennsylvania. George Washington had no idea 
that hundreds of years later, we were going to be talking about the prosperity of America that would allow uh, hundreds of restaurants and buffets to offer Thanksgiving dinner in the very location where he was star- they were practically starving to death. But we were a healthy society back then because we were a thankful society. With all the problems, with all the difficulties, we were a healthy society. Now, let's come to the conclusion. Got a couple things here to give you in conclusion here. So let's take a look at Psalm 148 for a second. In Psalm 148, after he talks about you and I, implying that we need to join the universe in giving thanks to the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Why? For. Why? He commanded and they were created. All these elements of the universe God commanded. God commanded them, he created them, and he also in verse 6 says he what established them forever and ever. You talk to the average person today and you wonder whether they, they wonder whether the earth is going to last another five years. For he commanded and they were created, he also established them what? Forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. So in order for you to understand, this is the first application. You and I need to know this and keep in mind that God has a playbook. When the Bible says that God decreed that the sun is going to be there and do what it does, the earth is going to do what I created it to do, the moon is going to do what I created it to do, the stars are going to do what I created them to do, and I've created to do this forever... The reason why is because I have decreed that it should happen. I have a plan book. I have a playbook, just like the coach does in football. A playbook. These are the plays that we're going to run. These are the plays that we're going to use. Only in God's playbook, nobody can beat him. In God's playbook, nobody can stop him. In God's playbook, nobody can uh, wrestle him to the ground. In God's playbook, nobody can take anything away from his plans and his plays. And that's important for you to understand. Thanksgiving has got to begin with us understanding that God made a decree which shall not pass. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think you have the power to do. I don't care what agency you represent. I don't care what organization you are involved in. God has a decree, and he will make sure that that decree shall not pass. Now, it's interesting that he doesn't use decree in the plural sense, isn't it? Because it encompasses everything. Everything. Now, verse 7 and following, it doesn't take us but a couple of minutes to finish this up. Praise the Lord from the earth. Now we get down to earth with this. Praise the Lord from the earth. Verse 7. You great sea creatures. Notice what he does. The sea creatures are going to do exactly what God created them to do. You great sea creatures in all the depths. Fire, hail, snow, clouds, stormy wind. Now all of these things praise the Lord because they do exactly what God wants them to do. 
Fire does what God wants fire to do. Snow does what God wants snow to do. The clouds do what God wants the clouds to do. The stormy wind, and we just came through one. Uh, we were in one on our vacation, hurricane. Stormy wind fulfilling his word. Now notice what he says. All of these things are fulfilling his word. Now, let, let me just whip your appetite for just a second. You are in Psalms. Go back to Job chapter 37 for just a second. Job chapter 37. Now, all I want to do is read this to you. I don't need to give you any commentary, but I'm going to emphasize one word. I'm going to emphasize one word, and I'm constantly going to emphasize this one word in the few verses that we're going to look at, okay? All right? Let's take a look at uh, verse, uh, verse 5. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. Now, I'm already into this. He's already given us some great illustrations before we get there, but I'm limiting this so that you can get verses 6 and following. For he says to the snow, fall on the earth. Likewise to the gentle rain and the heavy rain of his strength, he seals the hand of every man that all men may know his work. The beasts go into dens and remain in their lairs. From the chamber of the south comes the whirlwind and cold from the scattering winds of the north. By the breath of God, ice is given and the broad waters are frozen. Also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds. He scatters his bright clouds and they swirl about being turned by what? His guidance. That they may do whatever we want them to do? No, whatever he commands them to do. On the face of the whole earth. Aren't you glad that God has secured not only just where you and I live, but he has a security interest in the whole earth? That whatever they may do, whatever he commands them, on the face of the whole earth, he causes it to come, whether for correction for his land, or for mercy, and he gives the reason. Now, wasn't that great? Wasn't that great? And it fits very well with Psalm 148, where the Bible says, Fire and hell and snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. All of these praise the Lord because they do what God created them to do. It seems like man's the only, only thing that God has created that is trying to figure out how to undo what God created us to do. Right? Undo what God has created us to be. Verse 11, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, children, youth, Adults, kings, princes, judges, everybody needs to join together and give thanks and praise to the name of the Lord. Uh, I got a bunch of other, uh, uh, you know, uh, I would say we need to master all the praise passages in the Bible. That'd be a good start, wouldn't it? You're reading through the Proverbs. We're, we're ending the book of Psalms, rather. We're reading through. We're ending it next uh, Monday, I believe it is. This is, a, this is one for this week. 
And we need to master this. When you stop and you see a psalm that says, praise the Lord, ask yourself some questions. Say, okay, what's the circumstances? What's going on in this passage of scripture? What's the problem? What's the challenge? And then why are we being directed to praise the Lord? What are the reasons why God wants us to praise him? Start there. Do that. Do that. We'll be contributing to a healthy society. Because don't forget, a healthy society is one that is a thankful society. We're going to know what are some of the keys that you and I, let's be practical for a minute. Let's be practical for a moment. When Dawn and I get in our car and come out here on Sunday morning, I know it's early. I know it's early, but the first day of fishing season, the roads are, are, are busy. You know what I mean? But it's just nobody, practically nobody on the roads. Nobody on the roads. And I think to myself, is that how unthankful we are as a society? We can't even, we can't even go and corporately give thanks and praise to the Lord for all that he is and all that he does. We're just not, we're not aware of maybe all of the things that God will tell us in his word that we need to praise him for. But I, I would love to see the day when, the, when, when you have bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic to church on Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be great? And when you have bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic to church on Sunday morning, I would say, we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction of being a healthy society because we're a thankful society. But let me give you one last quick illustration here. Let me make this as a suggestion to you. You know, if I, if I have somebody, somebody comes to me and says, you know, Pastor, I, you know, I haven't been a Christian very long. I don't know how to pray and I don't know how to start and I don't know what to do. You know what my first suggestion to that person is? I say, well, listen, why don't you at mealtime thank the Lord for your food? Make sure your family thanks the Lord for the food at mealtime. That's my first suggestion to someone who's struggling with how to pray. Just say thank the Lord. God is great. God is good. Thank you for our food. That's all you need to say. That's all you need to say. And if you mean it from the heart... It's a magnificent, but I want you to take it a little step further. Dawn and I, whenever we go out to eat, we have prayer beforehand. And it doesn't make any difference who we're with. We have prayer beforehand. When we're sitting at a restaurant, and as soon as the waitress comes or the waiter comes and, and they ask us what we want to, to drink, we'll give them that. And then when they go away, because we don't want to be intrusive, and we're not doing this out loud, and we're not telling the whole restaurant, stop here, we all need to be thanking the Lord. We don't know. No, but we all bow our heads in prayer, and we have a prayer for the meal. We have a prayer for the meal. Let me make a suggestion to you that we all, all do that, that we all do that. We were at the Trails End Buffet, and uh, we were eating dinner down there. It was the day before the hurricane, I believe it was. And um, we had gotten to, we had, we had been discussing around the table, and we had forgot to pray. And so, um, lo and behold, we bow our heads and we pray, and, and as soon as we're done praying, the waiters are there waiting for us with a great deal of respect, holding the food, not interrupting, waiting for us to finish praying. 
And I only say that to you because a lot of people are intimidated by that, but you and I shouldn't be intimidated by that. A healthy society is a society that is a thankful society. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for giving us the ability to thank you in hard times as well as good times. Lord, we just pray in your precious name that you would help us as a nation to become healthier as we become more thankful. In Jesus, your most precious and holy name we pray. Amen.